This is 11 on the Ice. Powered by your local Honda dealers. ShopHonda.com. And thank you for joining us on a very eventful week for the Penguins. I'm Jenna Harner. We have a lot to talk about. As always, we have two of the best here with us, the old 2-9-er, two-time Stanley Cup champion, Phil Bork, and the top-line guy at our partner, DKPittsburghSports.com, Dan Kovacevic. And we have to start with the sudden shakeup and the sudden resignation of GM Jim Rutherford. I can't say enough uh, about how much respect I have for him as a professional, but uh, he's a good friend. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's hard. You know, looking back to that, that first time, you know, first time meeting him, um, you know, he delivered all that. So um, I've got a great relationship with him. Um, he loved the game. He loved talking hockey. Mike Sullivan, Sidney Crosby blindsided by the news as we all were. Borky, we'll want to hear about how you found out. But first, let's address the suddenness and the surprise first. Dan, we'll start with you. You're reporting that it was contract related. Yeah, I mean, everything about this, uh, first of all, yes, stunning, surprising, and everything else. When you're talking about somebody who's as accomplished as Jim Rutherford, Hall of Fame, three Stanley Cups, two of them in Pittsburgh, uh, that's going to bowl you over, especially seven games into a season. I mean, think about that. My understanding is, is that Jim wanted an extension. He felt he had earned that. He felt he'd earned the right uh, and the respect to not just be let to go into a, a, a lame duck situation in this particular season to see how he does. He's way past that part of his career. The Penguins weren't ready to do that. Uh, the Penguins' ownership wasn't all that crazy about the way things have gone the last two, three years, nor they, should they have been. And that's how it unfolded. Borky, how'd you find out about this whole situation here? I was actually dropping my son off for hockey, and uh, I noticed an email on my phone, and it was from Jim Rutherford, which was strange. I usually don't get emails directly from Jim Rutherford, but it was a, a letter uh, to the staff that he was resigning. So needless to say, shocked, disbelief. Is this real, or is this somebody fake playing a bad joke? Uh, I was floored. I did not see it coming. I don't think anybody saw this coming, could anticipate this. Uh, you know, he would kid around with the media sometimes saying, ha ha, I'm going to be here a lot longer than you're going to be. Uh, this one definitely caught me for offside. Well, GMJR has been one of the most unique characters in Pittsburgh sports history and brought a lot to his legacy. I thought I was coming here for two or three years and trying to win a cup and ended up staying for almost seven and having two cups and and I can leave here on a positive note. I'm, uh, I feel that I was treated very fair. Whether it's cups or the trades, what's the lasting legacy for Jim Rutherford? Phil, we'll start with you. Well, obviously, the obvious thing is the two Stanley Cups. I mean, that jumps out more than anything else. But, you know, the thing that stands out for me is this is a man who managed without fear. He was willing to put his neck on the line and make trades that a lot of other General managers would not because they think that's too risky. I'm probably going to get fired if it doesn't work out. He went after Phil Kessel. He was, he was signing guys because he believed in them. And then when it didn't work out, he was still able to get out from underneath uh, contracts. When you look at who he brought in, whether it was Ron Hainsey, Trevor Daly. Uh, he brought in guys like uh, Carl Hagelin, guys that you didn't really know a whole lot about, but they were perfect fits for this team. So it was a guy that absolutely loved the game, his legacy is he loved the game, he loved to win, and he's willing to do anything to get this team to the next level. I, I can't put it any better than Phil just did, so I'm going to take one piece of it 
and go back to the very beginning. I was on the draft floor in Philadelphia when he traded James Neal for Patrick Hornquist. That is what Phil's talking about. He looked at the video. He looked at what the Penguins had before him, and he said, wow, there's nobody on this team going to the net. I have to change that mindset. I have to change the culture here. Patrick Hornquist became the identity of the Pittsburgh Penguins. I know that sounds ridiculous on a team that has Sid and Gino and Tanger and everything else here, but Hornquist became how the Penguins were identified when they went into another building. That's to Jim Rutherford's credit. Well, we also have to talk about what's next. Patrick Alvin taking the reins for now. I think, uh, I think we did uh, some good stuff here in the summer, this off season by, you know, adding a couple of younger players. Uh, you know, uh, we sure want to uh, complement uh, the core group we have. And uh, I don't see any reason why we can't be uh, a competitive team uh, going for, for uh, the Cups moving forward. Here. Now, what does this do for immediate moves? How long do you think it will kind of take to get someone in here? Dan, we'll start with you. Well, I hope it takes a while. Let's put it that way. Uh, it's such an important position. And I hope that the Penguins take it seriously more from, the more from the standpoint of what it means to the franchise moving forward than it does this year. You know, David Morehouse said some things the other day, the team president, about how he wants to have somebody come in and just, you know, basically sounded like he was looking for another gym. And I don't know that that's what's needed. This team needs to build. It needs to build a foundation of young players. That's the kind of GM I'm hoping that the Penguins end up with. And that's not something that you get with a snap of a finger. Borky, your thoughts? Is this someone kind of you want to get in here quickly or take your time like Dan was saying? I hate there? sitting on the fence, but I'm going to go back and forth on you a little bit here because Patrick Alvin is going to be one of those candidates, but mm -hmm. he has no experience. A good guy, but this isn't the good guy business. So experience <laughs> is key here. So I think, Dayon, I think it's the other side. I think they're going to try to get a veteran guy in here, whether it's a Dale Talon, whether it's a Ron Hextall. Who knows? Maybe it's a Jason Botterill. Just because he's an assistant GM now in Seattle doesn't mean he can't come back as a GM here. So there's other candidates out there that have more experience than Patrick Alvin. Maybe it is Patrick Alvin. I'm not sure. I just think there's a giant question mark on what the exact requirements are to be the lead guy here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and it's interesting because we heard a lot of conversation about how they want to find the right guy and look at all the right moves, but that will come at the right time. When is the right time? Who knows? Well, by the way, you can find Albie's conversation with Jim Rutherford under the Rutherford story on our website, WPXI.com. Now, the Penguins reeling after a tough road trip in Boston. What to expect from their showdown with the Rangers next on 11 on the Ice, sponsored by Honda. Another slow start, and this time, no comeback. The Penguins fall in Boston 4-1 to as their struggles on the ice continue. Now, despite their struggles, the Penguins still sit in fourth place in the Eastern Division. Top four make the playoffs, and there's a golden opportunity with the next two against the last-place New York Rangers. Guys, the Penguins beat the Rangers twice at home. Borky, we'll start with you. What is the main focus here tonight? For me, the main focus would be the bread man. Uh, our Temi Panarin. He's, the, he's their most talented player. Mm -hmm. And he is a game breaker. He has killed the Penguins in the past. And he's one of those players, he's not very big, he's not very strong, he just kind of goes stealth on you. He's one of those players, when you jump over the boards, you better know where Panarin is, because he is lethal. He kind of darts in and out. 
He's one of those players that's sneaky good, where if you lose track of him just for a second, next thing you know he's on a clear-cut breakaway, putting the biscuit in the basket. Yeah, he's someone you cannot take your eyes off for sure. Dan, who is your kind of focus here tonight? Well, I'd be worried on one hand about the Rangers' transition game, which really impressed me last week in Pittsburgh. I thought they moved the puck up real quick through the neutral zone and everything else. But if you're the Penguins and you're focusing on anything at all when you're facing this New York team, shoot the puck. <laughs> I was completely unimpressed by both Igor Shosturkin and Alexander Georgiev. They're two young goaltenders. They've got a future by every account. We've seen them both shine individually at different times. Not this season and not yet. Uh, I want to see the Penguins make sure they're getting the puck on net. Cause some problems for these guys, especially after going against Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak. This is going to feel like Christmas if you take <laughs> advantage of it. Yeah, and if they capitalize on those second and third chances and create those second and third chances. Well, we're going around the boards next and finding out what the Penguins' biggest flaw truly is. 11 on the Ice, sponsored by Honda. We'll be right back. And welcome back to 11 on the Ice, sponsored by Honda. I'm Jenna Harner with Phil Bork and Dan Kovacevic. And it's time to go around the board, starting with this. Narrow it down to one thing. I know it's hard. One thing. What is the Penguins' biggest flaw? Borky, you're first. Well, for me, and you're right, there are a couple things. Uh, for me, it's their defensive zone coverage. It's the pride defensively. Mike Sullivan, after the game the other night in Boston, used two words. Structure and commitment. I'm going to throw one more in there, and I said this last week too. Pride, mm. keeping the puck out of the net, going into the mentality, going into a game with the mentality of winning one nothing or two one, and not trying to outscore your opponents. Penguins are just—they've had too many flaws defensively. They've got to be a lot better. Structure, commitment. Oh, I'm going to take it to the other end of the ice. Uh, to, for me, it's about the sustained attack or lack thereof, particularly with the top two lines. Ask yourself when's the last shift that you saw where you went, whoa, those guys really have it tonight. You know, you're not seeing those cycles, especially from the Sid line that you're used to seeing. Uh, Gino, we can talk about until we're blue in the face here, but it's been really all six guys that you're just not seeing that. To me, that's the Penguins' identity. That's the core of who they need to be, and they haven't been that yet, other than maybe a handful of periods in Philadelphia in the first two games. Now, the power play hasn't scored in the last three games. Dan, we'll start with you on this one. What needs to change? Oh, I mean, you know, where to start, right? I mean, when you watch other teams, you know, watch other games around the NHL right now, you're seeing a lot of quick puck movement. The Penguins are now getting the puck, and then they kind of go, hmm, who shall I pass this to next? And then you see the pass come, but it's telegraphed. They need to start doing, you know, a lot more quick movement, reflexive movement. That's when the Penguins have always been at their best on the power play. I, I'm with you on that. More puck movement, crisper passes. But for me, where's the net front presence? I get Patrick Conquest is gone. He's gone. Who's the guy that's going to mm -hmm. be that net front presence to take the goaltender's eyeballs away? It's not always about deflecting pucks or getting rebounds and scoring the goals. So many times we've seen the Penguins power play score goals when there's a guy just standing there taking the eyeballs away from the other team's mm -hmm. goaltender. I just not have seen enough of that. And also, going back three, four, five years, when this power play has struggled day on, they start to make plays that just are not there. Right. I know they're star right. players. I know they 
see things that we don't see as normal humans. But guess what? It doesn't work. Keep it simple, stupid. Mm -hmm. Kiss. <laughs> Shoot the puck. Rebound. Recycle it. Get it back again. Put it to that. You have one more man on the ice than them. I know you're a superstar player, but keep it simple, stupid. Jenna, it works the best. Jenna, the correct answer is everything. <laughs> everything. Everything. Keep it simple. That was something we definitely heard Mike Sullivan talk about after that loss. Well, Evgeny Malkin says he's looking in the mirror, and he knows his game needs to improve. There are so many theories. Borky, we start with you. What's wrong with Gino? Well, first of all, I don't think Gino's in good enough shape, to be quite honest with you. Mm -hmm. uh, I, he admitted after the game, uh, I was in Russia, the rinks were closed, the gyms were closed, and geez, maybe I should have rented ice on my own and been out there. So with that being said, it's hard to get in shape when everybody else is in shape. He's working harder after practice. The one thing that was refreshing, we've heard this from Gino before, is he's very critical of himself. When he talks post-game, he said, I'm not good. I'm not good right now. He's taking too many shortcuts. He's got these parking lot turns, and he's just got to get back to that work ethic he had last year. Stop taking shortcuts and start shooting the puck. Oh. These passes, these simple passes, they're just not working right now for Gino. You know, last season when things were going well for Gino, I asked him point blank, like, what, what changed from the previous year to that year? And he said, my legs. Yeah. I got stronger. I skated harder. He was in great shape. Let's say it for exactly what it is. He's not there right now. Phil, you were in the NHL. You tell me how hard is it to get in shape while you're actually playing games. No, it's everybody else is playing chess and you're playing checkers. Exactly. So he, he's so got to catch up quickly. He's got he's to climb a big hill here in a very short period of time. And this was something we knew could be a possibility with certain players coming into this season because of what it was, but you don't expect a guy like Gino, that's for sure. Well, last one on Around the Boards, P.O. Joseph with the top pairing with Chris Letang out of necessity because of injury. Is this the place for him until Dumoulin returns, Dan? <laughs> oh, well, I would say at this point that Letang is paired with P.O. Joseph. Okay, <laughs> That's how good the kid's been. Uh, to my mind, he shouldn't come out of this lineup in 2021. That doesn't mean he's not going to have his hiccups either. We've seen them from John Marino when we thought Marino was perfect all of last season. But he's been that good. I don't want to see him come out of the lineup. I want to see young players given a chance with these Penguins. Yeah, he's your guy. <laughs> yep. he's, he's your best left-hand shot with Dumoulin out, Ricola out, and Pedersen out. And Churchman didn't have a great game in Boston. Even if you bring Yannick Weber in, he's a right-hand shot too. Yep. So if you're going to go any lefty-righty, I think Chris Letang should be with the other left-hand shooting defenseman, and that is P.O. Joseph. Man, has he been on the speed escalator right to the penthouse? He goes from the taxi, taxi squad to playing up on the top pairing with Christopher Letang. I think he's your guy. And he's earned it. He's earned it. Well, we're going to go top shelf now, taking a look at some of the best plays of the week and how they happened with our experts here in-house. Let's get started with Jake Gensel's game winner against the Rangers on Sunday night. The first win in regulation, thanks to this goal right here. Uh, my favorite thing is the part you're looking at right now, and that's the, the Chris Letang famous drift down the left boards. Some of you will remember that from San Jose, a very similar look to game six. You know what I'm talking about, Phil? I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, it's, it's a play that draws. Look the way it, it pulls the, team, the opponents away uh, from Jake, and Jake just finishes Well, what I love about this is this is Jake's 100th career goal late in regulation to give the Penguins the W there. Uh, don't forget, he also scored his first goal and second goal on his first two shots in the National Hockey League against 
the New York Rangers. And great screen there by Brian Russ, too. Can't leave him out of that. Great center drive. Yeah, he's been playing really well as of late. Well, heading to the two games against the Bruins, tougher to find some top-shelf plays, but how about Kasperi Kapanen's goal on Tuesday night? His first as a Penguin, and he's been someone that's really been fun to watch this Every time Kapanen's been on the ice, Jenna, I'm almost on the edge of my seat. I'm expecting something great to happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, all three players on the line here, Zucker up to Gino, Gino over to Kapanen, and then a boatload of speed by Kapanen takes it to the net. Is it exactly the way he just diagrammed it? Probably not. It kind of rolled off his stick. But coming at the net with that much speed, Tuka Rask was fooled. And he was able to find the five hole there. But Kaspari Kapanen has exceeded my expectations early on here. Yeah, and that's because he's he's shown up in shape. Uh, I'm not sure how he pulled it off with the quarantine and not getting much ice in Finland and everything when he was stuck over there. But I got to point out here, too, that that's Charlie McAvoy that he went right around. And McAvoy's a pretty good skater, and, and Kapanen made it look like he was a, a, a pylon. Yeah, it wasn't going against any rookie or anything like that. Now we're giving some love to Cody Cece for his goal against the Bruins on Thursday night. He had a pretty solid game in this matchup. That was something interesting to see from him. This is a first-round pick. I think people forget because he took uh, some beatings up in both Toronto and Ottawa, but that is a first-round pick making a keep up there. Really good keep, first of all, but then that, that little dash <laughs> to the center between the hashes. What is that, Phil? Where'd that come from? No, smart pinch down the wall. He saw a bouncing puck, used his great wheels, couple steps, get in a shooting position, and then snapped it uh, under the blocker over the pad of Halak. Really surprised him. But Cody Cece, who hasn't really found his way as a Pittsburgh Penguin yet, that's a big moment for him right there. Uh, to be a part of the part of the club. Yeah, guys, finding his feet for sure. Now the guys go head to head on their three stars of the week next on Eleven on the Ice, sponsored by Honda. Alexi Lafreniere is on the score sheet. He netted his first career goal in overtime on Thursday night to lead the Rangers to a 3-2 win over the Sabres. Alexi and company host the Penguins tonight at 7 o'clock. Time now to reveal your three stars of the week. Dane and Borky, we're going to put your stars up side by side so you guys can battle it out. Here you go. I'll just let you go off with this one. <laughs> Pull them up, man. Well, uh, first thing I'll say is this was not easy. Uh, this is a rough time to be picking three stars because it's not just that the Penguins are struggling collectively. I, I don't see much from them individually either. I don't see guys standing out here. P.O. Joseph, I just made the case for my guy. Uh, I, I'm all right with yours, Phil, you know, with Rusty up there. No, I'm all right with yours. I thought about putting Kappen in there, but I wanted to give Jared McCann a little bit of love. Back-to-back -back goals mm -hmm. against the Rangers, back-to-back -back games. Skating so hard. He is. He's involved. He is. He's around the puck. He's making things happen. Jake mostly for that game against the New York Rangers, scoring late to get the Penguins to win. And Brian Rust, I think, arguably, you could talk about Sidney Crosby, but Brian Rust, five-game point streak, yeah. maybe the most consistent forward for the Penguins. He has ever since the first couple of games, ever since he's been with Sid, he's making things happen. Uh, but the bottom line is, Phil, we need to have more choices than this <laughs> next week. We shouldn't right? have to struggle no, this, to this, find this our top three like, stars. We're worried about who we're leaving out as opposed to who we're including here. This is, it's got to be easier. They, they need to start firing on more <laughs> cylinders than they are.
I, I was going to say, I know my tenure on this show is short, but I'm surprised that you're both in as much of agreement as you are, and then understandably, understandably so, that there isn't as many options to choose from, at least for this stretch. So now we're taking a look at the week ahead for the Penguins. Of course, tonight they take on the Rangers at Madison Square Garden at 7 o'clock. And then we're into February, 7 o'clock Monday night at the Rangers, Tuesday and Thursday night at home against the Devils. So we have a back-to-back, -back, and then back on the road at the Islanders next Saturday night. Now that will do it for us on 11 on the Ice, sponsored by your local Honda dealers for Dayan and Phil and the entire Channel 11 sports team. I'm Jenna Harner. Have a great one. I think we got to play the game the right way. And gets wrapped up. That's what I think. I think we've got to defend when when it's called upon. It's not a pretty game right now. Super attack. He scores! You've got to be harder to play against.